0: Thank you for joining us for a message from the Christian Fellowship Church of Kandu, North Dakota. Please visit our website for more information about our church at CanduCFC.com. Okay, so last week we started a series called Secrets for a Super Sunday. And uh, today's the second message in this series, and in, in some ways... Today's message is a follow-up from last week's message, but also a precursor to what we're going to be talking about next week. So last week we talked about us coming together as a church and each one contributing in some way to the ministry of the church. Did we remember that a little bit? I'm jogging some memories here, I hope. As we all participate in ministering to one another, we all receive and are strengthened according to what we read in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. And next week, we're going to talk specifically about how to engage in the the worship time that we have together when we sing, and also how to effectively participate when we're studying the Bible together. Because I think there's a few things that I only learned a little bit later in life that I wish I would have known earlier, because they made those things more important or effective for me. But both what we talked about last week and what we will talk about next week requires one word that's going to be our focus today and that's preparation preparation so more than 10 years ago by now my wife and my wife Karen and I we attended a conference that another church in Manitoba was putting on As preparation for this conference, a leader from that church drove an hour and a half to Winkler to meet with us and with Karen and myself and a few other folks from our church and kind of give us a a few more pieces of information about what we were signed up for and what we had to look forward to. So over the course of the hour, they explained these things to us. But what stood out to me the most was how they stressed preparation. They told us to spend time with God, especially through prayer in the weeks leading up to this conference. They gave us specific things to pray about in advance of this weekend conference. Now, why would this person drive an hour and a half to spend an hour with a bunch of people that he didn't know and then drive an hour and a half back home? Well, the reason why he was willing to do that is because from experience he knew that if we wanted to have the richest time with Jesus possible at that conference, we couldn't just walk into it cold. We couldn't just enter the doors and instantly be ready to experience everything that Jesus had for us. We had to prepare. We had to prepare. There were steps to take in advance of this time that we were going to have. So preparation is a theme that we see consistently in scripture. It's kind of funny that one of these words that we use and we think, wow, are there examples of this? What would they be? Initially, I kind of was struggling to think about this and then the Lord revealed something to me in my devotions this week when I wasn't even thinking about the message and all of a sudden, it just was a springboard into all these other wonderful stories of how preparation was something that God instructed his people to participate in and it was to their benefit and his glory. So... Let's, let's just look at a few examples here in Scripture. In Exodus chapter 19, God gives Moses instructions for the Israelites. These instructions were meant to be followed by the Israelite people so that they would know how to prepare to meet God as he descended on Mount Sinai. The people followed the instructions, and then in Exodus 20, all the people get to hear God's voice for themselves as he speaks the Ten Commandments to them. So there were steps of preparation that were given by God to Moses, and then Moses passed them on to the people. So what we learn here is that when we follow steps for preparation, we get to encounter God. We can encounter him other times as well without preparing, but those times are usually, I would say, a little fluky. Where we aren't opening our eyes, but God opens them for us. I'd rather take steps to make sure that my eyes are open so I can encounter God in the way that he wants me to. In Leviticus 16, we have another example here. The Lord gives instructions to Moses for how his brother Aaron, who is the priest, how he is meant to prepare himself to enter the Holy of Holies, which is God's very presence in the tabernacle. The tabernacle, in case you don't know what that is, that was kind of the name for their church building that they had back in the Old Testament. So here, Aaron in the Holy of Holies, Aaron can offer sacrifices for the sins of the people of Israel. This is how atonement was made temporarily for the sins of the people of Israel, but preparation was needed. So it's amazing here that we see that God gives instructions so that Aaron can be prepared to meet with God, not just encounter him or understand him in one aspect, but physically be in his presence. That's a glorious thing. We talked about the presence today. Ron and Kathy were mentioning that in their in their worship as they were leading us in worship. And the presence of God is something that, yes, once again, we can walk into it. And sometimes unknowingly or being unprepared, we can experience it. But when we realize how good it is, how wonderful it is to be in the presence of God, to have him in our lives and us intentionally receiving him, We want to be prepared and purposefully take steps, say, I want to be back in the presence of God. I want to do what I need to do to be prepared to meet with him, just like Aaron did. For the Israelite people in their culture, there were actually two special days that were literally called the day of preparation. One of them took place every week. It was the day before the Sabbath or God's appointed day of rest. Today, our day of rest, our Sabbath is Sunday. Because people are supposed to rest on the Sabbath, back then they made their food before, on the day of preparation. So you can see evidence of this preparation for the Sabbath in John 19, verse 31. The other day of preparation came annually, and it was right before the Passover festival. People had the same practice. There was no work permitted on the Passover festival. So they did their work beforehand on the day of preparation. And you can see that in John 19 verse 14. So through this day of preparation, we see that people prepared in advance to not only worship God on a weekly basis, but they also prepared in advance to celebrate him at this annual festival. So in the, the times that we have where we're meant to come to give to God, like we said, we, that's our role here last Sunday, we talked all about that. There are preparations that, are, that need to be taken so that we can give God what he's asking us to. We can give him what he deserves and what, he is, what how we'd honor him in, in the best way possible. Preparation going into the new Testament was also the thrust of everything that Jesus did when he called his disciples to him and spent three plus years with them. What was he doing with them? Well, he was preparing them for when he would ascend to heaven and commissioned them to go into every nation with the good news. The Gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as well as the very beginning, the first chapter of Acts, has details about the preparations that Jesus was making in the lives of his disciples so that they would carry on the ministry that he began here on earth. Followers of Jesus, that's us, must take time to prepare for being the church that Jesus intends us to be. I don't know if we can actually call ourselves the church or a church if we aren't prepared to hear what God is asking us to do in advance of going out and doing it. I don't know. It's just a thought that came to me. I think there is preparation that we need to take so that we understand the steps to, to walk, the methods in which Jesus wants us to live, and how we're supposed to minister with what kind of heart. All of that's going to take training and preparation. That's okay. We just want to understand it so that we don't miss it. And one last example uh, right now, you and I were living in a life that is preparing us for eternity. Jesus says in Matthew 16 or Mark 16:16, 16, 16, "Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned." So the choices we make now during this life on Earth, whether it's 60, 80 or 100 years long, those things are all going to have some sort of a reaction to them. There's going to be a a consequence or a reward based on how we live, based on the choices that we make. Paul builds off of this idea and some of the other similar teachings that Jesus mentioned in his ministry on earth when Paul tells us how to use money now, for example, in preparation for our futures in eternity. 1 Timothy 6, verse 18 and 19 says, Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. So we prepare now for eternal life in how we live and how we use the resources that God has given us. How we live today affects the kind of future that we will experience later on. So clearly preparation is an important part of the Christian life. It's important to God. So he shows examples of these things in scripture and he's called his people to himself and has shown us that experiencing all that he has for us will require us to take steps in advance. I mean, God is a gracious God. I think that I think that the way that he loves us is so gentle and kind and merciful And I'm so thankful for that, that even when we're not prepared, even when we're absent-minded, he still is there and willing to work with us. He wants us to know him, so he sometimes takes the initiative and breaks into our lives in a beautiful way. But the more we live our lives for Jesus, the more we know him, the more we understand how he works and how he operates, it's compelling us. I know it certainly is compelling me saying, all right, Lord. I want to get the most of this interaction with you as possible. So Jesus, if there's something I can do to prepare in advance so that I can receive from you the greatest blessing, the greatest instruction, the greatest understanding, I want to do that. I don't want to shortchange myself because I'm not being prepared. So I think we can say that we're beginning to understand the necessity of preparation and that it certainly is a biblical principle. So now we get a little bit more practical and we ask, well, how do we prepare well for Sunday morning? After all, this series is called Secrets for a Super Sunday and we're talking about how to make this Sunday morning worship service the best it could possibly be for others as well as for ourselves. So we want to come here to experience God, right? Does anyone want to come to church to experience Jesus? Okay, just making sure. Does anyone want to come here and, and bless God with their presence in this place? I, I do. I, I, for sure I do. How about to encourage and build someone else up in their faith? Would you say that you would desire to do that in this place on Sunday mornings? Yeah. To receive from the work of the Holy Spirit. Does anyone desire that the Holy Spirit would be working and active in their life? Okay, a few few quieter answers there. That's okay. How about to worship and adore Jesus? Like you actually want to sing a song and say, God, I mean every word that I'm singing to you. Do you you desire that? Yeah, okay, good. Good. Yeah, and and to live out our God-given purpose in this community with one another. How many people want Sunday morning to be kind of like rocket fuel that just propels you into a week where it's like, Lord, I know exactly what I am on this earth for and I want to live that out. Is that your desire as well? Yeah, Yeah, like all these things are what we desire. So then if we desire them, can we just walk haphazardly into a Sunday morning church service and assure ourselves that's exactly what's going to happen? No. That haphazard or half-hearted attitude in walking into these things with God. I think that's where we cheat ourselves speaking from experience. I don't think that a haphazard approach to God works well, at least not in a consistent way because I've walked into way too many church services during my life, spiritually unavailable to God because I chose not to be prepared to meet with him. Have you ever thought about it that way? Like I'm I'm here at church, Jesus, that Our physical presence doesn't automatically sing, like signal to him our spiritual availability. There's more to it than just showing up here with clean clothes after you showered, right? There's more to it than that. There's more preparation, I believe, that we can offer ourselves. So, of course, like I said, of course God worked in spite of me sometimes when I would show up to a service unprepared, but, that, but I know that I wasted much time in church because I just was there in body and not in spirit. You know, Pastor Paul David Tripp has a quote. He says, No one celebrates the presence and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ more than the person who embraces and his presence desperately and daily because they're in need of it. I'm going to read that one more time. No one celebrates the presence and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ more than the person who has embraced his presence and desperately and daily depends on it. I think that there's something so true to that. If, if we don't value God in all aspects of life, why would we come here and automatically value his presence when it's not something that goes on everywhere else? You know, I look at this daily embrace thing that, that, Paul David Tripp talks about that daily embracing Jesus daily giving him time daily looking to him daily receiving from him he says that is the reason or that's the the way in which someone can then celebrate Jesus if we're not looking to him regularly in our lives I think what Paul David Tripp is saying is why would we celebrate him if we don't see value in spending time with him that makes a lot of sense to me preparation preparation isn't about getting all fixed up so that we can meet God. Okay. I want to, I want to make sure that people understand that it's about depending on him because of our need for him and then celebrating the way that he is loving and kind and caring and merciful to us. Meeting with Jesus isn't about being perfect enough or good enough to be in his presence. It's just about understanding how desperately we need him. Um, Uh, Here's a way to kind of look at this, a little illustration. So a couple who is married, they're going to celebrate their wedding anniversary every time that it comes up. And what makes it special or what makes it uh, a reason to celebrate is because of the time that they spent together during the last year in their marriage relationship, right? They have a reason to celebrate when their anniversary comes around because of all the time that they've spent together, enjoying each other's company, being vulnerable with each other, depending on each other, trusting each other, loving each other and caring for each other. I think it's supposed to be the same way when it comes to our Sunday morning experience. Our gathering as a church is meant to be special because we spent time throughout the week with Jesus and now on the day designated for rest and worship, we absolutely, have a reason to worship him because we're so familiar with all the ways that our lives have been ingrained with his, you know, at the beginning of the book of Joshua, Moses has just died. And now God has appointed Joshua to be the leader of the Israelite people. As God is speaking to Joshua, he's telling Joshua how he wants to, him to lead these people. One part of God's instructions to Joshua, I feel, are a great foundation for you and me to employ in our lives so that we can prepare for making Sunday a valuable time together with each other, and especially with God. So I just want to look at a couple of verses and understand some things together here uh, this morning. So Joshua 1, verse 8 and 9. These are kind of a famous passage here. Oh, there's a a quote that I was going to put up there. We don't need it anymore. Joshua 1, 8 and 9. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So these verses begin, to, or begin by telling us to study the Bible continually and meditate on it day and night. So many Christians wonder at different times in their life, what is God's will for me? What am I supposed to do? Has anyone ever wondered at one point, what is your will, Jesus? Oh, wow. So many of you are very confident Christians. Clearly, you always know the will of God. You have to help me out because I pray every week because I don't know what Lord do you want me to say? So be honest with yourselves, friends. You don't have to raise your hand. But we all wonder what the will of God is at different times in our life, right? It's true. We do. So many, or some translations of the Bible say uh, that they say this verse a little bit differently. They say to study this book of the law continually. So some people get tripped up. Well, Jeff, this says instructions, but the other says law. So what is it? Well, the word law really actually means instruction. The New Living Translation, which is what we're reading from this morning, gets to the heart of this verse correctly. God's word, the Bible, is his instruction for us. And God instructs us according to his will. So if you're wondering, oh Lord, what is your will? He's probably going to tell you, you need to read my word because I've laid it out very clearly in there for you. It's good because we don't have to guess. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to, we don't have to be frustrated. We can actually read about what God has desired for all of us Christians, what our lives are supposed to look like, and that is the will of God. Now, sometimes it might be to say, like, Lord, should I buy this house or that house? I don't find a verse about that. But, you know, there's lots of verses that talk about spending money wisely, making discerning decisions and all this kind of stuff. I believe that God's will in the Bible will even help us with day-to-day decisions like that. So as we study this book of instruction in the Bible for our lives, we are told to meditate on these instructions day and night. Now what that means is to keep these instructions in mind no matter what we're doing. It doesn't literally mean to have these things in front of you and like read day and night constantly. Don't ever sleep again. Forget about eating meals. You should be reading the Bible. That's... That's not what we're getting at here, okay? It means to have these things always on your mind. Are you going to work? Well, remember God's instructions for your life and apply them to your work situation. Are you going to spend time at home with your family? Well, don't forget God's instructions and apply them there as well. Meditate on them. Keep these things in mind. Going to football practice or going to Minot for the weekend or a family reunion, a farm auction, a movie night. Keep God's instructions for you front and center. They all apply in those situations. Walmart, family vacation, fishing trip, parent-teacher interviews. You could name any situation that you could ever experience on this earth, and each one of them. We're supposed to be meditating on the word that we've spent time in so that we apply it into those moments in our life. God's instructions are meant to be meditated on and kept in mind in every place. Why? So that we will obey them. That's what it says. So preparing well for Sunday morning means living according to Jesus' will during the week and trusting his grace for when we come up short of the mark. Okay? And then when, when our mind is full of God's instructions and we hold them near and dear to our heart in everything we do, the only thing left is obedience. And there's a huge benefit that comes when we obey God's instructions, when we follow God's will in our lives. It says that we will prosper and succeed in all we do. What this means is that the wisdom of God revealed to us in his instructions for us will direct our lives. The wisdom of God will never steer us wrong. It tells us how to respond and react in every situation that we find ourselves in so that we are living the God-honoring life that we desire to live because we say, Lord, what's your will? Really, we're saying, Lord, I want to know what you desire from me. That's what it means to truly prosper and succeed when you live according to the will of God. I'm not in this life as a Christian to get rich. I'm not in this life as a Christian to get popular or to be famous or to have all sorts of people respect me. I'm in it because I want God to look at my life and say, Jeff, you have an interest in following my instructions that I've laid out for you. And now because of that, I... I'm going to work through you in your life. I'm going to bless you in your life. I'm going to bless others through you. That's what it means to prosper and succeed in the Lord. And it's more satisfying than being a millionaire. It's more satisfying than having the respect of all your neighbors in your community. Because you have the respect and the admiration and the approval of God. One day, friends, I want to stand before God. And I hope this is your desire too. And I want him to say with a smile on his face and his arms open well done, good and faithful servant, right? Like, who doesn't want that? No one wants to get into heaven by the skin of their teeth. We all want the embrace of Jesus. But that's what's also going to take a little bit of preparation, right? Verse 9 is very much uh, an encouragement here for us in this passage. It says, be strong and courageous, not afraid or discouraged. So why? How can we be strong and courageous? How is it that fear and discouragement aren't going to take hold of us? Well, because the Lord is with us always. He's present with us, with us wherever we go. The God who has defeated sin and death and hell is by your side. He is for you. He is not against you. He is cheering for you and supplying you with everything that you need to live according to his divine nature. What a great comfort that is for sure. I don't want to ever forget that God is with me wherever I go. Jesus said something similar to this in Matthew 28, verse 20. He says, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So this is a consistent message from God, right? And this is something that we can take and hold on to. So yes, this reminder of God's presence with us is a promise and an encouragement for sure. God is present with us, always helping us to live for him every moment of every day. But... This is interesting. I read this verse a little bit different than I had ever read it before. I know that it's meant to be a promise. But something inside of me also took this as a stern or a fatherly reminder. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So yes, Jesus is with us to help us. But if he's always with us, doesn't that also mean that he's always watching everything that we do? And that's not, that's not a bad thing. It's just something to be aware of, right? I want to be aware of God's presence so that I will take comfort in it and trust in him and rely on him. But the more I thought about it, I also want to be aware of God's presence so that I will live my life in reverence of this God who is everywhere. I want to be in fear of God, not scared of him, but I want to understand that everything I do in my life, I will have to answer to God for because he's my father and he wants to discipline me and raise me up and and, and cause me to be more like him. So he's not going to ignore anything in my life. He's going to take note of it. And then he's going to offer his loving rebuke or correction or conviction and lead me on the path of righteousness. So I want to remember that God is is watching so that I will obey him. You know, before I was employed in church ministry, I worked in the office of a trucking company, uh, and as time went on, I became pretty efficient at doing my job. Uh, technology just made it so much more efficient for me to do customs paperwork. That's what I did to get trucks over the border, all that kind of stuff. Sometimes, uh, but not oft- sometimes, not often, but sometimes, my boss would come over to my desk, and he would begin to talk with me about certain things. And I'd look down after the first hour of my eight-hour day and realize I had nothing else to do. I got everything done. But while my boss is standing there, I had to, you know, oh, I got the stack of papers. I'd shuffle them around. I had to make sure I had certain programs open on my computer because if he's looking at me, if he's watching what I'm doing, I want to make sure I at least appear like I'm working and that I still deserve to be employed at this place. Now, that was very deceptive of me. And I don't recommend that anyone copy my example, okay? So I know that that was wrong now. Uh, However, the instinct that I had to work while my boss was watching is the same instinct that I want to have as a Christian. But here's the thing. God doesn't just watch us sometimes or when we're together at church. He's with us wherever we go and in whatever we do, 24 hours a day. Friendly reminder, right? From her 1987 album, The Turning, Uh, Christian singer Leslie Phillips sings a song called God is Watching You. In this song, she relates that God watches us in our good moments as well as in the moments where our flaws are more evident. One verse from this song goes, When out of fear you judge a friend, God is watching you. When you let a stranger in, God is watching you. When you always have to win, God is watching you. When love requires that you give in, God is watching you. I just love that verse because it talks about these moments where it's so easy to forget about, A, which people are watching us, let alone that our God is watching us. Like, ooh, my servant is in an amazing trial right now. This is great. I can imagine God just as excited. How are they going to do? Like, I know, what, I know that they know the right thing to do, but I wonder if they're going to choose it. Because I know last time they didn't do so good, but, hey, I'm giving them another chance. This is going to be great. And maybe it worked out, maybe it didn't. But nonetheless, God is watching and he's present with us. I'm not saying these things to make us feel crushed at all by God's presence. But the reality is that if we are going to prepare for Sunday morning to be meaningful and God honoring, we need to be aware of his presence. That it isn't turned off and on like a faucet, but it's constant. God is always there. And I know you and I, we want to live Monday through Saturday, remembering that God is helping us to live according to his instructions for us. But I also want to keep in mind that God is watching me to see if I'm going to live according to his instructions for me or not. All right, I have, I have three questions I want us to discuss. I know we're running a little bit later than normal, but that's okay. I never do this. So, let's talk for just a moment here. If during the week, if we make time to study the Bible to meditate on the instructions that we read about in the Bible, remember them and apply them into our lives and obey them. Do you think that we might recognize God's presence consistently in our lives? Yes or no? Okay, I would agree with you. Absolutely. That was the easy question. Now there's going to be some sentences that we're going to have to form and speak to each other, so prepare yourselves. Does anyone have an example of a time recently where you saw God clearly at work in your life and you recognized that it was God because of something that you read from the Bible. For example, let's say you found yourself loving someone who isn't necessarily easy to love. And you remember that God tells us to love our neighbors as ourselves. Oh yeah. Okay. That would be God teaching me and now me doing right. Or, Let's say you read about patience, and then when a difficult situation comes up, you kept your cool because you knew that God teaches us in the Bible to be patient. Does anyone have an example of something like that from their life? Hi. Hi. Oh, well, okay, so I was supposed to get into treatment last week. Mm-hmm. I didn't get the paperwork, like the court system didn't get the paperwork, so I had to be patient. Okay. And so, and then today in my treatment class, um, patience was my antidote word for the causes and conditions of my addiction. So. Wow. Yeah, that's kind of cool. So yeah, God's connecting a few dots for you. That's super cool. Yeah, we, we notice God in our lives and it's like, oh Lord, I see you working there. That's, that's awesome. Good for you. Thank you. Anyone else just notice something about the way God's working in your life and you can see it connect back to something that God's been teaching you in the Word? Sharon. Um, in reading, um, I read this last week of soft answer turns away crap. And yeah. God's Word is powerful, and Mac and I had politics, debate, debate. <laughs> Yeah. And it was just the, the Lord, just like what I was reading, Yeah. My life. I think the situation just went wrong. That's, You said it perfectly. What we read, it speaks into our everyday life. I think that's great. I think there's so many times in our lives where we face situations that the Bible gives us instructions on. And if we are familiar with what the Bible says, man is the path that we are meant to walk or the way that we're meant to notice God. Is that ever clear? Last question. If we see God consistently present in our lives during the week like this, like these examples, how does that positively prepare us for coming together as a church on Sunday? We need an answer. And I know you guys have one. Let's be brave. Hey, we we trust each other. We've done this lots. How is it that when we notice God during the week, how does that prepare us for worshiping him together as a church on Sunday? Kent? Uh, we want more of him. So we, we dig in even more, press and uh, he shows up. I agree. You experience Jesus here, you want more. So then we come here hungry for more. Yeah, that's good. I, I would agree with Kent. Does anyone else agree with Kent? Yeah. I think we all do. Like, that's, that's the rhythm of life that I believe that we're supposed to be living week in and week out. C.S. Lewis, a famous Christian author, said, The perfect church service would be one we were almost unaware of. Our attention would have been on God. Isn't that awesome? I'm going to read that again. I, I love that. I found that quote this week, and I just thought, that is so perfect. The perfect church service would be one we were almost unaware of. Our attention would have been on God. See, when we come here to this place because through the week we've been preparing like, oh boy, church is coming up on Sunday. I know it's Tuesday, but I've already seen God at work. I can't wait to be in his presence with his people gathered together to worship him in one voice, with one heart, one mind. That's what I'm looking forward to. Is our focus on anyone else besides God? No, because our hearts are prepared to be with our Lord. You know, we've run a little bit long, so I'm just going to close in prayer. Uh, Ron, Kathy, if it's okay, we won't have a closing song today. Thanks, guys. Let's pray together, and then, uh, and then we can be dismissed. God, I thank you so much for the value of preparation. It's a funny, practical thing that maybe we didn't think of seeing in the Bible, but it's evident And Lord, we acknowledge before you that we need to be prepared to worship you and adore you and appreciate you when we're here together on Sunday morning. So God, we ask that you would help us to focus on you this week. I pray that we would spend time, we would make time. And even if we think, I have no time, that we would cut out things that aren't important so that we would find time to be with you, Lord Jesus. Because we don't want to come here for any reason, but to adore you, to worship you, and to give you the honor that you deserve. We want to come here and experience you because we're hungry. We don't want to experience you because all of a sudden you had to kind of wake us up out of a slumber. We want to voluntarily prepare ourselves to be in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we want to do that consistently. Thank you for your grace when we fall short of doing that. But thank you also for your instruction in the word that teaches us that that is the goal for us to experience you like we are today. Amen.